Peace and thank you, family, for tuning into Creative Habits Podcast. I'm your host, Philip Anthony. And I'm your co-host, Indigo. We're based in Washington, D.C. with leading discussions on topics surrounding pop culture, business, lifestyle, and art with an occasional guest appearance within the creative and entrepreneurial industry. Today on the podcast, we have a very special guest, the lead singer of The Butt Shakers, a group led by the rugged feline presence of Sierra Thompson, whose vocal prowess, here put on the perfect display, finds itself flawlessly balanced between a generous horn section and a devilish groove. Please welcome my special guest. Hello, my name is Sierra Thompson. I am the lead singer of a soul band out of Lyon, France, called the Butt Shakers. That have been around, we're actually going into our 10th year of existence as a band. <laughs> so yeah, we've been we've been going around Europe for a, a couple of years now, touring and trying to spread that good old soul music. What got you into music? And how did you and your band come together to make the Butt Shakers? Uh, so I, yeah. <laughs> I got into music probably like a lot of young young kids do. I got I was raised in a Baptist Southern Baptist church, mm-hmm. so we were going to church three times a week, and it was just all singing and praising and and not really. I mean, beyond the music, it was kind of the experience. As a child, I remember watching adults because like my my parents were into like kind of like intense Christianity where it was like you know. You know, people like going into trance and and speaking in tongues and rolling on the ground. And I remember as a kid being like, this is what music can do to people. Like, this is crazy. Like, the power of it is so intense. So after that, I did a lot of like orchestra and band in school, uh, doing trump- I was playing trumpet for a long time and then baritone. Uh, but I actually ran into the butt shakers. I was going, I came to France Grew up in St. Louis, Missouri, and then I moved to France when I was 21 for like a one-year study abroad program mm-hmm. and ended up meeting uh, the former guitar player of this band because to explain the, the backstory of the Butt Shakers, it was originally a cover band, of just like a bunch of guys hanging out in their basement and playing covers of old soul songs, especially in France because it's kind of a definitely a, ni- a niche kind of... Like a, it's a, a very small but very loyal scene. So they uh, they were doing covers when I came along, and we started pretty soon getting into like making our own music, and that kind of bold like that turned into most of the other play uh, most most of the other members leaving the band uh, for multiple reasons. But uh, the band really like stabilized. Yeah, I was, I was saying like ten years ago, uh, and so we've been playing since then. We've been playing together. Um, but yeah, we've been playing for 10 years. This is our third album that we're working on at the moment. We just finished recording it and we're going to be releasing it in November. So things are things are going smoothly, but it's it is weird making music in France because mm. it's just so different. There's like there's not the hustle mentality is not as the same in France as it is in the States. How long have you been in France? Did you say uh, 10 years or something? I've been in France for 13 years. Yeah. What was that transition like moving from the States to France? <laughs> it was it was hard, but I didn't realize it at the time. 
I was really young and just really like excited to be away and kind of like living this crazy. I don't know. I mean, because I, I came to France as a student and I immediately met the guys from the band and the butt shakers. And I also like kind of stumbled into the, um, the squatting scene. Mm. So like squatting houses for political purposes, um, not like, you know, not people that need a house necessarily, but squatting empty um, housing for people without papers, uh, immigrants, all different reasons. Um, and that really like occupied a lot of my time. So kind of like five years passed and I was like, whoa, I'm, I've been in France for five years making music and, and you know, kind of working in these political organizations. So that really just like, I didn't even realize until afterwards, I was like, whoa, this is, I'm learning this, a new language, living in a totally different culture that is so foreign to me. Um, Cause I'm not in Paris either. I'm living in Lyon, which is the second biggest city in France. Mm. But even that difference is so different because or Paris is very cosmopolitan. There's lots of different cultures and mixing. Lyon is very uh, conservative. <laughs> it's a very rich, rich money, conservative kind of city. So that was weird too, because I grew up in St. Louis where there is wealth, but you don't see it. It's not the same, I don't know. It's, like these are like old, this is old money. Yeah, yeah. That like, you know, I don't know, like wine, champagne, slavery money. It's crazy. I've always wanted to visit France. If we were to go, do you have any like non-touristy spots that I could visit? Oh, yeah. You, if you came to Leon, I would show you a good time for sure. I mean, but that's that's a whole other issue that French people do not like talking about. But their whole... Like even the nightlife scene is very different. I mean, they're just, French people are very, I mean, they're much more like cognitive. I don't know, they're very, mm. when at 21, when I was super excited about like drinking wine and talking about philosophy, now at 34, I'm just like, I just want like to get really drunk and like black out <laughs> and stuff. Like what you can do in the States. Like <laughs> They're kind of like that stupid fun missing in French people, but um. No, you could. I mean, I'll show you a good time if you came to <laughs> came to Lyon, and you can. There's definitely lots of beautiful things that aren't necessarily touristy to do, but uh, I mean, living in France as an African American person is, I feel like it's easier than a lot of other, if not a lot of other nationalities. It's kind of they like I don't know in France in France well they. People really see us as being like cool Obama, Denzel Washington, like that is really like, which is nice. I mean, we, I definitely enjoy that kind of like, oh, you're American. Oh, great. Like we had that shine on us all the time. I've heard from uh, many different experiences that, uh, <laughs> well, maybe France is the exception, but uh, other countries don't like Americans so much. <laughs> uh, no. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> It was easy when when there was Trump because like everyone was just like everyone was in agreement of being like what is going on like Americans are crazy and we we're like yeah yeah we really are um, no I mean that's why that's why I kind of like separated that being African American is different in France like we had this like cool swag all of a sudden we're just like yeah I mean it's it's very strange but then in, as Americans there's just the the stereotypes about Americans that were all fat and lazy and 
and um you're just like damn like really this is <laughs> this is the image we give off like I didn't growing up in the states you don't you definitely don't, I feel like you definitely don't get that education of how the world sees us besides gaining a love for music in church do you have any other inspirations uh, like any favorite artists that you listen to or in music yeah or in music or in, oh. or in general you know we get inspired from many different things for sure um I'm, I mean I've always had a serious passion for music I mean it's definitely something that because I love the fact that you can mix word and sound I think that those are two I mean I my second big passion is literature that's why I came to France I was studying French literature and I feel like words, I mean, which is weird coming, I came to France to learn another language and it's while I was learning another language that I realized how amazing English is. Yeah. And all like, you know, the particularities of our language and how you can play with it is so different than any other. I mean, it's also my native language. So there's definitely, there's like a sort of like home. I feel at home when I'm speaking in English. And so, what I love about music is being able to mix sound and and the, the, the textuality of words in the same in the same boat. But like, I feel like artists. When I was a kid, I really liked classical music. <laughs> I was really into like weird funk. Like I was really into funkadelic and then Vivaldi. <laughs> Those were my two passions as a kid. Um, but then I got into. I kind of discovered through a Christian youth summer program, punk rock music. I feel like punk taught me that you don't have to like be the greatest guitarist in the world to make music. You don't have to be the greatest singer in the world to be able to sing. You can, with, you know, the, with your own capacities, you can make great things, amazing things that can touch other people. And I really liked that energy and the messages behind that, especially feminist messages and things like that, that really inspired me. So I feel like artists in general that really inspired me is for me, the, the greatest artist of all time is Nina Simone. For her, her words, her music, her life, I just feel like she really, she really encapsulated an entire, I, don't, I mean, an entire tra trauma of, I mean, of that generation of like the six, 50s and 60s and 70s that touches me in a way that no other artist has ever done before. So I would definitely say Nina Simone and then in the, in a, another artist, <laughs> totally different, um, would be the writer Virginia Woolf is another artist that I feel like really pushed boundaries and how we can express ourselves and how we, our perspective, what our perspective can be. So those are two artists that hands down, I've always had a lot of respect for. I feel the same way about um, artists like Marvin Gaye or James Brown, mm. um, just the complexity within their music, um, not only vocally, but lyrics and um, the way the instrumentals uh, 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 just move your spirit, you know, yeah. it's like it's like hitting you from all different ways. And to me, that makes a great artist when they can touch your spirit from instrumentals, lyrics and just vocally and just it's, it's, it's a great combination. Mm -mm. That's a, I mean, that's the power of music. It's this way of, like, it touches on so many, I mean, I even, I went so far as to studying it in school for, you know, I did, I did a master's in English literature and really studying sound patterns and how you can 
how you can play with words to to make an emotion. And, and what's amazing in English is you even have like just the sonority of things will will kind of you know I feel like words are like painting. Like you can use a certain color that will that will subconsciously reveal something to the to the listener that they didn't even know was there. And I feel like the, yeah, like you know, like Marvin Gaye or 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 James Brown. Those were definitely artists as well that. And I feel, oh, thinking about that, I'm definitely thinking of also uh, Curtis Mayfield is someone I feel like his lyrics are just, so even saying the simplest things, I mean, his lyrics make you, I mean, it's visual. You are completely with him. He's like guiding you through these kind of like stories of the ghetto. And it's also heartbreaking at the same time, but uplifting. Like there's something, that's what I love about these artists that can kind of play around between sadness and joy. Which something I feel like we are missing in the butt shakers. We're we're kind of, I mean, with this, you know, situation of our, our the last two years, the way things have been, it's just it's hard to find joy. Right now, I feel like it's really hard to find joy. But more and more, I feel like I I, I need that. And so I've been trying to write songs that are a little bit more joyful, <laughs> and it's not easy. So, what is your creative process like? Like. How do you write music? Do you start with um, the instrumental first or do you just write first? Like, what's the process like? Well, I really stick to, I, in the butt chicken, I mainly just do the lyrics and melodies. Um, and it's really the, our guitar player, Sylvan Lawrence, uh, who's, who's a funny guy because he started out in metal. He's a big metal head and a damn good guitar player. And he um, writes, not the major. I wouldn't say the majority, but he writes a lot of our original riffs. Like, I mean, this last album, because of the pandemic, we were forced to write a lot, you know, individually on our own without getting to see each other and practicing together. So Sylvan sent us a lot of, you know, turns, you know, just a, a verse, a verse that will just turn for like four or five minutes. And then with the magic of, I discovered, uh, what did I use? Uh, Fruit Loops or something? Yeah, you know, like, I know Fruity like, Loops. Oh, yeah, I'm so shitty at like anything <laughs> with the computer. It's just not my jam. But uh, I learned how to like at least cut, you know, slice little parts. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So then you could just like you know from there on you can just make up your song. As you, I mean, it's a weird cut and paste sort of thing. But so we worked a lot by that. But just like sending riffs and then if something like I really work by you know that that immediate spark if i immediately find something like oh yeah okay like that that's usually where i'll go I'll just follow kind of follow that in, intuition um and from there we kind of worked on structures and then once we saw each other we were kind of able to to work out all that work out all the kinks as we could say but um yeah it's weird i mean the pandemic really changed things because we before would just practice 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 for hours we would practice every monday and tuesday that was our schedule for like five years. So with the pandemic, that definitely forced us to to rethink about how we work, how we would work together. I can definitely tell the 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 practice and the work ethic from songs like uh, "Back in America," "I Want to Know," and mm -hmm. and others. Um, I don't know if you ever heard of this artist, but it kind of gave me like Sharon Jones vibes. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> you know? Now you're just flattering us. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just like, it's this really good, authentic music. Like, 
I know when music is good, when I can just turn it on and I could clean the house and I can cook and, you know, just, just, I, I don't want to say background music, but, um, Oh, live your life. Yeah. Yeah, like lifestyle music. Like that is 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 really good music to me. Well, thank you. That's a great I mean, we that we definitely listen to to the Daptones and their whole universe. Well, re- recently, I mean, they're it's hard to fill the such big shoes like Sharon. I mean, I don't know what they're gonna pull out next that's gonna be like the big next soul band that's amazing because Sharon Jones and Charles Bradley are some pretty big shoes to fill. Absolutely. I, I wish them well in <laughs> their search for the next big soul thing. But like, I don't know if you, have you been listening to them recently? They've come, I mean, they're kind of like, a lot of these soul record, or soul records are kind of opening up to different sounds, but I yeah. feel like everyone's kind of searching. 2021 has been a weird year. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's hard to, well, for a lot of people who uh, like artists like yourself, who, go on tour and feel the the vibe from the audience and stuff like that. It's hard to, I guess, get inspired to create anything um, that's up to your standards as an artist, you know? Yeah. Well, we've had, I mean, we've had this back and forth for the last year now, this back and forth discussion of should we do a Facebook Live or not? Like everyone else is doing it. Everyone's doing these like, you know, at-home videos where like, you know, with those seven people in their living room playing guitar. Um, and I have no, like, I don't have any problem with people doing it, but I just like, for us, it's, that's so pointless. Like there's no, without an actual audience, like with people in front of us, there's, our music is kind of void of sense. I mean, it's really hard to, maybe you could maybe change my mind about it, but I feel like it's hard to watch the, like, it depends on the kind of music, but I haven't seen any soul bands that have done a live that has really been like, oh yeah, like I felt that. I feel like it's kind of, it's such a music that's like, a, you know, end the moment. Like you really have to see it live to to feel the energy because it's- It's just like church. Yeah, when you watch church, if you watch, have you, my, my parents have been doing virtual churching mm-hmm. and they showed me and I was like, okay. Like, I mean, <laughs> like, we're not into church at all anymore, but like that was really- Yeah. Like you miss the call and response. You miss the the energy from the crowd. You know when you sing a certain note or when the guitarist hit hit a certain riff that that callback is um yeah. is 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 troubling. You know, <laughs> it's, it's just it, this pandemic has been has been crazy. Yeah, how is it? How is it in the states now that are you are you vaccinated? No, I haven't gotten vaccinated. My um lady has gotten vaccinated because of her job she works at a school so um okay. she had to get her vaccine but um to be honest i'm still kind of afraid to get really? vaccinated yes yeah, it's, it's still kind of fresh you know um usually it takes years to develop a, a vaccine and yeah, they yeah. get it within months so i'm not sure i can i can hear that on that i mean yeah i, I feel like that's it's weird i mean so so i'm mixed race my mom is white my dad is black and so I feel like I've always, my entire life, I've always had very two different sides of like, of life in general and how like looking at America works. And yeah, like most of like my, my white side of my family, everyone's vaccinated. Yeah. And then the black side is all like, I'm, I'm going to wait. I'm just going to wait and yeah. see how it goes. And I, <laughs> and I understand that, that caution that black people have about medicine in America. I mean, mm. like, it's just not, I mean... 
I'm over here in France just being like, please, someone give us a goddamn vaccination because no one, there's no, there aren't even vaccines here. Like you can't even get vaccinated if you want to get vaccinated. Wow. So we're wow. still, we still have a curfew. We have a five, we have a, no, uh, a 7 p.m. curfew that we, that has been in place for like the last six months. Wow. That's got to be torture. It is. <laughs> I'm trying to stay positive about it, but it, it's really like, it's, uh, it's just weird because I feel like once you start getting, like talking about it with other people, you start getting into these like weird conspiracy theories where people are like, it's because the government's trying to control us. And I'm like, that's, <laughs> that's totally true. But like, for fuck's sake, like something has to change because in France, yeah. it's just like a disaster. I mean, like we're still in lock. We just got out of our third lockdown that didn't change anything. There's like, apparently people are really sick, but I mean, Ooh, I need a break. I need a break yeah. <laughs> from yeah. reality. Yeah, that's yeah. I'm I'm definitely one of those, I guess, quote unquote, conspiracy theorists. But um, <laughs> on what end? Okay, don't don't call me QAnon. <laughs> Please do not call me your QAnon. No, 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 no. I just I just look at it from a, a different lens. You know, um, if you look at you're Ameri- cautious. I mean, there's a difference yeah, yeah, yeah. cautious. Yeah. If you look at American history, I don't want to get banned, but like the, the government has done some crazy stuff to its citizens. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? Oh, and yeah. every few years we get a different uh, corona, um, bird flu, swine flu, mm. all these different type of things that I don't know. I don't want to get too deep in it because we're here to talk about <laughs> you and your band, but I, I don't know. I'm just a cautious person. I question everything. No, for sure. The, the, having a critical mind is a good thing to have. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, I mean, we can hold, we can talk about a whole nother pandemic. I just, I, I recently watched, I don't know if you ever uh, watched John Oliver has like a show on HBO and he was talking about the next pandemic and how mm-hmm. like globalization and how we like cross and cross animals and people. And, you know, I mean, so yeah, it's really obvious that something like this is going to happen, but it's mainly just like the response of our governments that's mind blowing. We're just like, yeah. how are any of you adults? Like there's not a fucking adult in the room. Like no one is responsible. Yeah. And everyone has their head. I mean, uh, yeah. And the people doesn't come first. You know no. what I mean? It's all about no, if, if that was, wealth. If that was it, we would have had like a global shutdown or something, you know. Right, right. Which is, which is weird because in France, that's what's weird about France is that they have had this huge, like for artists, for example, we had a, a, an année blanche, so like a white year, mm. where they've just been paying us <laughs> to not to not work. Uh, which is crazy, and they do, they've been doing the same thing for restaurants. Like so, pretty much culture and restaurants and all. You know, the food industry has been has been saved because of that. Mm. So there's like this like weird like weird semi socialism where they're giving us money to stay safe, but at the same time, you still have to take the metro and the subway, and like you're constantly crossing. Like you can't unless you're in your house, staying away from everyone. You can't avoid humanity. Right. Right. And instead of like just being like, let's do this responsibly and like other countries that ha- I feel like other countries have been able to do that of, you know, we, we don't need to cut, you know, we don't need to close all restaurants, but we'll just have like seat, separate seating and outdoor mm-hmm. seating and like, mm-hmm. you, know, mm-hmm. you know, social distancing. 
And in France, it's just been like, no, we'll just close everything. Everything is closed. Yeah. I mean, I, I like that more, like just close everything until, I don't want to say it blows over, but what baffles me is how can somebody go to the airport, social distance, and as soon as they get on the plane, they're right next to a, like, yeah, two yeah. other people. It's, it's crazy to me. It doesn't yeah, make any sense. That's the same thing in France is they're still so, you know, restaurants are closed, but you're still, every, you know, everyone else is still going to their regular, you know, office jobs. So everyone's taking the metro or the subway or the bus, you know, mm-hmm. you're sitting mm-hmm. smashed. And, you know, if you take the, the, the bus at 8.30 in the morning, you were like literally smashed in between 100 people. And you're like, how is this? Yeah. <laughs> we, can't, we can't have, you know, you can't have a, a concert hall can't be open. Or you can't go to a restaurant, but I can, you know, literally have my cheek against someone in the subway and no one thinks, you know, it's just these inconsistencies that are infuriating. I mean, and it's just been really hard for in culture in France because we haven't had anything. I mean, no, no shows, no theater, no cinema. Has this pandemic impacted your uh, creativity? I know there's a, a large number of people all across the world who um i guess fall into like some type of depression or loneliness or um or even have cabin fever like how how has this uh pandemic impacted your creativity i'm i'm starting to get to the cabin fevers (laughs) (laughs) at first it was like this is great like i had a baby during the pandemic that was oh congrats yeah thanks (laughs) So that, I mean, that was like, that was a nice part of it, of being like having a good excuse of not doing anything for nine months and just letting myself like get fat, which is cool. <laughs> uh, not fat, baby fat. Um, but uh, no, like that was, that was great. And like having these like real family moments because say my partner wasn't working. So, you know, we had these like actual moments where it just wasn't like rushing and going to work and constantly you know, being speeding around in our lives, that was nice. But, um, and so that's how we really ended up working the, the new album, which Back in America is on Arcadia. Uh, we wrote that pretty much from the, from the beginning of the, the first lockdown in France, which was in March. And so from like March, 2020 until August, we wrote the entire album, more or less the entire album. So that was like the first beginning of the pandemic was really like creative. And I feel like there was, there was just a lot going on and it gave us time to think about what was going on as well. So it was kind of helped for that, like kind of like um, more, I mean, I feel like a lot of the songs are definitely more contemplative in general. I mean, it kind of, the pandemic forced me to look at, I mean, especially back in America was kind of, I wrote, we wrote that at the beginning of the pandemic when everyone was talking about America and how crazy I mean when I think it was I think the day I started thinking about it was the day that Trump said that we should inject bleach or something <laughs> he did we should just inject bleach <laughs> like, okay we've hit rock bottom like now we've officially <laughs> hit rock bottom um and it was just yeah I was just starting to think about like you know I mean I feel like the pandemic did that to everyone it's just like what what's important in our life what yeah. is going on around us like I feel like it also like you know opened a lot of people's eyes to the I mean between between George Floyd's killing and you know that you know the 
I feel like, uh, how can I say that? I feel, at least in Europe and on the white side of my family, I feel like that really um, clarified the message of Black Lives Matters for a lot of people. And it, was, it wasn't just like a he said, she said, it was like, no, this is an eight, eight minutes and 49 seconds of a man sitting on another, standing on another man's neck and you have to watch it. And I didn't watch it because I don't need to see that, but I feel like a lot of people needed to see that. And so it was kind of just like that, that initial shock and then taking the step back and being like, what does this mean? You know, what does this say about us as a country? What does this say about us as a people? I mean, yeah, it was so that, the beginning of the, the <laughs> beginning of, of COVID was uh, definitely a, a, a creative time. And then now it's just like, I need to get the fuck out of my house. Like I need to, I cannot wait to go to a restaurant. I cannot wait to, to go anywhere else. Cause plus like in France, we've had uh, restrictions from traveling. So we've been in a restriction. You can't move, you can't go more than 10 kilometers, which is like 20 miles away from your house. Wow. Wow. So even that, I'm just like, get, let me get out of the fucking city. Like, let me go do something else, please. Yeah, it's, this really revealed um, what's really going on across the world. As soon as the George Floyd uh, thing happened and Amar Aubrey and um, Breonna Taylor, like, that caused a ripple effect all across the world. Like I heard they were marching in France, they were marching in Europe and Africa. Like that really exposed what was really going on. My only, um, I don't want to say regret, but the only thing I dislike about it is that um, a lot of the media has been promoting black trauma, whether it's on the news or in movies or in music, like, constantly hitting us with subliminal messaging that we fight and they kick us down we fight and they kick us down like um i was just watching um a show on prime called uh i think it's called them and it's basically about um this black family who moved to um compton california during like the early 1950s but it's yeah it's, it's basically entrenched in black trauma or i just watched another netflix movie like why can't we have any roles that doesn't revolve around black trauma why can't we just like fight dragons and shit and you know it's like just straight science fiction like yeah. oh no it's just it's just too much it's just too much it's just it just feels like to me it's just weighing me down as a person not only do i have to watch it on the news or hear it on the radio and actually live it as a black man in America. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just too much for me. For sure. I mean, I feel like I was talking to my husband about that the other day. I was just, <clears throat> I feel like a lot of the, the, the media interest and Hollywood interest and, you know, Instagram, all that, everything. I feel like when a lot of those things went, I mean, if, I forgot what the film was. We were watching a movie the other day, and at the end of it, I was just like, even though it was a full black cast about a black story, but you know, directed by a black director, et cetera, et cetera, I really didn't feel like it was a movie for a black audience. Yeah, I felt like it was a movie for a white audience to kind of like you know comfort. Just I mean, 
my husband was in agreement. My husband's white. And so he was like, that's not true. And I was like, you can't, I don't, I don't even know if you can see it when you're white, mm. but like, it's so obvious that this is clearly just for your conscious, for your self-consciousness to say, oh, well, I'm not that racist. You know, like it's not, or things have gotten so much better now. And you're like, I feel like, no, that was, we were talking about, I don't know if you saw the movie, but Netflix did um, uh, Ma Rainey's Big Black Bottom. Yeah, yeah. Did you like that? (laughs) Um, The only thing I liked about it was Chadwick. Bozeman's uh performance like he yeah, really, was the actors yeah, yeah the actors themselves he, it was his last performance I guess and he 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 acted his ass off so yeah. I mean For but sure. other than that it was it was just you know <laughs> a movie well, there were two things that really made me really made me mad and so again this like huge I mean not a huge trifle yeah my husband gets is used to me getting angry about a lot of things so at this point he's just like okay okay <laughs> But um, the first thing that really pissed me off was that, you know, it was supposed to be in the 1920s, 1930s. Mm. And they kept saying the N-word. And I mean, that's just, for me, it's a whole subject. But um, I was like, black people, you know, black people didn't talk like that to each other in the 1930s. Like, that's not true. They are making a false narrative about this, like, oh, my nigger, blah, blah. I'm like, no, that's not, that's yeah. not how black people, black people heard that on a daily basis said by white people to them, they were not calling each other that between friends. Like that's not, that's not how it happened. Absolutely. Rewriting history to make yourself feel better that like, you know, now you hear it in rap songs and so you can say it, but no, that's not, that is not the history of that word. And the second part was how they, how they portrayed Ma Rainey as like this, like she was constantly sweaty and disgusting and like, I love the, act, the actress, but I just didn't understand the choice of, like, because she's a lesbian, because, like, she has this whole, like, you know, I feel like Hollywood, especially Black Hollywood, has a hard time accepting gay and lesbian characters. Mm. And so there's always, I mean, if I saw the another biopic about Bessie Smith, another jazz, big jazz blues singer who was also bisexual, and the same thing, it was kind of the same narrative of, Yes, they have these lesbian lovers, but they're only with them for their money or, you know, for their fame. And they're these like large black women that are always sweaty and they have terrible makeup. And you're like, why does, why does, because we're black or because we're fat or because we're lesbian, you have to automatically be repulsive. Like you can be, there's plenty of large, beautiful black women that are lesbians and that are sexually, like, you know, for somebody they're sexually appealing. So I don't, yeah, yeah, I just feel like even this new, like, kind of like, yeah, this new golden era, this fake golden era for Black creativity is dangerous. Yeah, I definitely agree. It's, I don't want to say until we, you know, put our money together or whatever and and create our own Hollywood, it's like we always have to stream our, our ideas to um the quote-unquote gatekeepers like in order to get a script through it has to be about black trauma or slavery or you know uh de- degrading black women no matter what their sexual preference is you know and it's troubling um only thing i do see a positive on today's age is that um camera equipment is very inexpensive you know and we have platforms like youtube and venmeo and stuff like that and um people 
can create like communities, you know, like Issa Rae, who yeah. uh, started her own thing on YouTube and now is a multimillionaire with a few great shows on HBO. So, um, but that's, I think that's like, uh, I was just thinking about Issa Rae or um, I forgot who did uh, Atlanta. I feel like those were yeah, two, yeah. Two, two series that really worked and that found a black audience because yeah, it's, as you're saying, they, I mean, Though, though Atlanta kind of did kind of talk about black trauma, I feel like it was a different way of showing kind of just like an average black yeah. man and his everyday life. And it wasn't, the, the trauma wasn't the focus. It was just him as a human being. Yeah. As a person trying to live day to day. We're not monolithic as a people, you know? Some of us like science fiction. Some of us like classical music. Some of us <laughs> like so many different things and lived so many different lifestyles. and there's thousands of millions of different voices out there, you know, yeah. from many different perspectives. So, yeah. Yeah. I was talking <laughs> to my husband about that the other day too, because now that we have a, we have two daughters, we have two little girls. And so we watch a lot of kids TV. Mm-hmm. And even that, I was just like, I don't understand how, even in, even in children's TV, children's, you know, cartoons, you have more redheaded characters than you do people of color. Mm. And I'm always amazed. I'm like, why is there always a main character that is redheaded? As if there's some monopoly on. I mean, it's just it's just weird that there's there's this open there's this fake openness towards diversity, but it's never it's only uh it's you know this very small vanilla palette yeah. of, of diversity. Yeah, I have a um a quick my lady and I have a two year old, and um I don't know if you ever heard of this show called Achilles and Me. No. Check it out. It's uh, basically, um, I think it's a Zimbabwean um, um, children's show, but they go through like letters, numbers, song. Like it's it's a very good show for uh, oh, know, cool. children of color. Check it out. We'll check it out. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you get nervous uh, before a performance? Always. <laughs> Always. <laughs> and then once you get on once you get on stage, you're like, ah, oh, okay. Good, but like, yeah, there's always that like those those little butterflies of before you get on stage. Even like, regardless of the size of the stage, the size of the crowd. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like it's it's there's that the little bit of nervousness is always good before a show. It means you're it means you you're still paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> How do you balance um, your music career with? Um, just life your your kids your spouse like how do you balance all of that uh well it's definitely easier in france um because in france you have uh they call it intermittent de spectacle mm. and it's uh tech it's it's a very strange strange process but you technically are a cultural ambassador of the of france and so you have like um uh, what, what would that be called like it's like a special Oh my goodness, it's this special category in the, like the, the French work code. And so we're paid. So anyone that's in culture, if you're a real, if you're in cinema, uh, music, dance, theater, painting even, um, you have the statue, you have this specific um, category, work category. And so you get paid every month by the government. Mm. So if you don't work, 
you get paid like a certain amount. Like, I mean, I think it's, you get paid by day per day. So like, I'm at like 53 euros per day. So if I don't work, I still get paid for the day. Mm-hmm. And if I do work, I don't get paid. Um, and then it kind of like, it fixes itself out every month. It's really strained. I mean, it's a crazy system and it only exists in France and in Belgium, but it gives this really nice stability for musicians to where you can, you can have, you can, just vocalize on your art and have like an actual family life or a you know life on the side and you're not like I mean I feel like a lot of my U.S. friends are you know working in bars or you know have these like really kind of shitty work day jobs and then are you know traveling on the weekends and that's just I mean it's a it's a tiring lifestyle. So I'm happy that in France, we have this kind of social security network. That's really amazing. I wish we had something like that over here. You know? It's so great. I mean, but there yeah. are there's definitely negative. I feel like the negative part of it is that you have to, so you have to have so many performances or what they call a cachet. So like it's your, you're, you're getting paid. You have to have so many per year. Mm. So not everyone can have not everyone that makes music or you know is in art can do this but um what's kind of the negative side of this of this is that um a lot of people in my opinion a lot of people make music that they're not necessarily passionate about but because they know it's going to sell they know it's going to they'll be able to you know play in summer festivals so i've seen amazing jazz musicians that are like playing in european techno concerts you know making these like really shitty bands that they don't care about <laughs> just because they know that they're going to be able to you know sell sell a show it's not even like it's not even about selling records or you know anything about that it's just you have to be able to play so many so many shows every year okay um last question for you what advice would you give a younger version of yourself about pursuing the career you have now uh, if I could tell my, oh my gosh, if I could tell myself something that I wish, wish I would have listened to, uh, is, is change your band's name, change it when you got a chance, <laughs> girl, because it's something that I've hated for, I mean, it's, I mean, it's a good name because it tells you what's going to happen at the show, but it's also like, but the word, but always, I just don't, yeah. I have a whole but it's, it's, it's unique, you know, like I've never heard any other band uh, with that name. That's true. I mean, yes, we're the only band with the name Bechicu. But it's just, there's just like a, a very like childish side to it that mm. I don't know if people right off the bat take it seriously. They're like, oh, Bechicu. I mean, there's just something infantine about it, but. I don't know. There's a lot of other bands with some really strange names out there. <laughs> so I don't true, think I don't <laughs> think your band is is has has the worst of them. You know, it's not the worst, but like there's some bands where you're like, damn, like the Alabama Shakes. That is the band when they came out. I was like, oh my god, mm. that's such a good name. Like you've still got shakes in it. You're still shaking. You know what you're getting, but like. Alabama just sounds, it's a good word. It sounds really good. <laughs> um, can we quite play a quick game called This or That? Yeah, go ahead. Cool. Well, uh, how do you play it? What is This or That? Um, this or That is a game where you have two choices, but you can only 
choose one and you have to give a small explanation why. And the whole world depends on these answers. Damn. Okay. <laughs> okay. The survival of humanity depends on my <laughs> okay. okay, cool. Um, pancakes or waffles? Oh my God. That's about, okay. I'm going to say waffles. Really? Yeah. I'm going to say waffles, but only, oh my God. Cause my dad made pancakes every sun, every Saturday morning. And that was such a pleasure, but, but you can't have, you don't, I mean, does it exist? It might exist, but I've only, I've never tried a chicken without waffles. I mean, chicken and waffles is, mm. that's why I'm going with the waffles. It's the chicken okay. And waffles. Yeah, I, I love waffles, especially the soft ones. I, I can't I can't stand crunchy waffles. Really? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, plus in France, like it's a real I mean, oh, but isn't there I think waffles are Belgian? I don't know. Because mm. in France you find waffles everywhere. Yeah. So they indoctrinated you <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I was like, yeah, I didn't like I didn't like waffles that much until I had chicken waffles and I was like, whoa, this is this is what waffles were made for. Mm, yeah yeah all right uh here goes the next question um movies about the past or movies about futurism futuristic movies oh uh, uh, damn these are hard questions <laughs> i'm gonna say if you would ask me literature i would have said literature futuristic literature for sure sci-fi mm. literature but sci-fi movies are so, I, I'm not a huge, I'm not really into like special effects. That's not a thing that gets me going. So I'm going to say, uh, I like a classic old school, old theme, whatever they call that. There's a name for that. Uh, time piece. No, I don't know. Yeah, what yeah. Called That's yeah, what time period. Yeah. Time period. Time period. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. I, I, I only get to speak English when I'm doing interviews. So <laughs> <laughs> my English is, Ooh, it's hard. Sometimes it's hard to speak. <laughs> it's all right. Um, extroverted, extroverted or introverted? Uh, my my best friend always says that I'm an introverted extrovert. So <laughs> I like having fun, but then I'm like always afraid of people. So I can't, I can't choose. Can I, oh, do I choose one extrovert? I'll say extrovert. Okay. Okay. Um, last one. Guilty conscience or clear conscience, and why? Uh, guilty conscience because I was raised in a really religious household. Mm. I have like, yeah, I was actually talking about that with my, oh my god, with my husband. We had a conversation this morning about vanity, and I was telling him that I don't like, not because I don't like what I see, but I don't like looking in the mirror. I can't. <clears throat> um. I recently took some some singing lessons with a teacher that was like, you should look at yourself when you're singing so you know what you're doing. And I was like, I, I can't, I can't, I don't like seeing myself in the mirror or, or, or I mean, yeah, there's just this weird, like, and I realized talking about my husband about it, I'm like, it's just this, I feel like it's came from as a kid, you know, this idea of it's vanity and it's not, you know, it's in the Bible, you know, you're not supposed to do it. There's so be like, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of Christian guilt in my, mm. my <laughs> subconscious yeah. that I still have not dealt with. Yeah, I could, later. I could definitely uh, <laughs> agree with you on that. Um, I don't want to say um, indoctrinated or brainwashed, but you know, 
<laughs> not far. It's really not far. Yeah, yeah, not kids. far at now all. That I have kids and I'm realizing I'm like, oh my, yeah, like you have to, I mean, I, I even catch myself being like, no, like, because you, you hear, you rehear things your parents and your grandparents said. And I just kept hearing, you know, like my, my, my grandma always said, cleanliness is next to godliness. Cleanliness is next to godliness. Mm. Right? You know, to this day, like, it's not even, I just have a thing with like, my hands have to be clean. Your nails have to be clean. I mean, we could have a whole conversation about black education and cleanliness and how that's, you know, whew, that's another trauma, but. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it was really amazing speaking with you. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time out to have a chat. Um, how can people listen to your music or get in contact with you or, uh, if the world ever opens up, how can they, I guess, come to one of your performances? Uh, well, they can follow us pretty easily on Facebook, Instagram, at The Butt Shakers. Uh, we have a website. If people are into looking at websites, <laughs> buttshakers.com. Um, and if not, you can find us on all streaming platforms, Spotify, Apple Music, Deezer, all that good stuff. Amazing. I really appreciate it. Um, would I be able to play one of your songs at the end of this podcast? Oh yeah, for sure. Sweet, sweet, sweet. So thank you thank so you. much. Thank you thank so much you. for taking the time out. Really thank you. It. No problem. Thank you again. Um, we will let you know um when this episode airs beforehand. Um, yeah, we're taking cool. a little so break, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll put it up on our social media. Cool. Sweet, sweet. I appreciate it, man. Thank, thank you. Thank you so much. Have a good day and tell your tell your lady I said hello as well. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And be safe out there. Yeah, thank you. You too. Hey, family, there is no quote of the day, but instead we have the privilege of playing some of the Butt Shakers great music. Stay tuned. Don't forget to like, subscribe, share and comment. Have a good one, people.